0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Runners of the Bay podcast. This is Mimi. I'm here with Bridget, and today I'm going to turn it over to Bridget to interview me to talk about Boston because I promised we would do this, whether it was a, <laughs> a good race, a bad race, something in the middle. Um. So here we are, emotions still raw, even though it's four days later.
1: <laughs> Legs, it sounds like, are still Legs are, sore.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Legs still very raw.
1: Yeah. So I'm excited to talk. I mean, we texted a little bit, maybe the day or day, 48 hours before, 20 hours before, I forget. Um, There were some things that were already like not perfect situation. So let's, you take me and the listeners back to, you arrive in Boston. Yeah. you know, I think the interesting thing about all of this is, you know, your race recap in and of itself. But I think the other thing that I kept thinking about is like, you know, comparing it because it is a historic year. And I'm sure that's running through your head the whole time too. How is this similar and how is this different? So I think that's kind of a, you know, the thread throughout all of this.
0: Yeah. So maybe I'll start actually like the night before I left for Boston because I actually think that's kind of where this story starts. I was going to sleep and I felt a little bit of back pain and I was like, Mm. ooh, this is usually what I start to feel when I have like a UTI, which the kidney infection I had earlier in the summer it started out as UTI. Mm. And so I was like, that doesn't feel great, but it's also like not so bad. Maybe I'm just being paranoid, Mm -hmm. whatever. I took a red eye Thursday night, I get to the airport and I can't stop peeing. I get on the plane. I pee right away. It's a red eye. I like sit, wait to take off. It's one of those things where I'm like, if they wait five more minutes to turn off the fasten seatbelt sign, I'm going to pee in my pants because I need to get up and pee. So fall asleep. Are you window?
1: Are you aisle? Are you middle?
0: I'm a jerk and I'm Polaris first class laying down in a bed. (laughs) So it doesn't
1: matter. (laughs) You're on your way to a marathon doing the red eye. That's the right move. Yeah,
0: Um, Totally (laughs) worth it. And, you know, so I pee, I get there. I actually had a layover in Chicago. So, which was interesting. I'll talk about that. I get there. I pee again. I'm a jerk. I have United club cards. So I go to the lounge and I'm like, this isn't good. I'm wondering, is it nerves? Is it, you know, what is this? So, I'm really fortunate. Big plug for my employer, but also my healthcare provider, One Medical, who has really like healthcare on demand. You can talk to a virtual medical provider. So I started chatting with someone right away and I said, here are my symptoms. Here's what's going on. This is what I think is happening. And they called in a prescription for an antibiotic like to CVS that was right across from my hotel in Boston right away. So I'm like, okay, I think I'm just being paranoid, but like better safe than sorry. And so I tried not to think too much about it. And so I'm in Chicago waiting to board and it's, it's funny because you're waiting to board for Boston and you see like, that's when you start seeing people in their Boston jackets and you're like, okay, this is, this is real. And also it's funny because obviously that weekend was the Chicago marathon. So I'm sure there were people heading to Chicago to run the Chicago marathon. So I get on the plane and I'm seated across from this guy who's talking to someone and he actually was just going to Boston for about 20 minutes to pick up his bib to then head back to Chicago because he was running the Chicago Boston double. So it's a, it's a relatively just like a couple hour flight from Chicago to Boston, land in Boston. It is a very long walk to get a lift or an Uber in Logan yes. airport. So I'm making that journey to the Lyft and the Uber, having to pee every five seconds. And then I see like, people like sprinting back towards the airport, like this guy wearing a Boston jacket, but it looked like he was going back to Chicago. So it looked like someone else was doing the the Boston, Chicago double. So anyway, I I get in to Boston and it's like, you know, I like to stay in the center of things. I actually stay at the Fairmont Copley Plaza hotel, which is where all the pros stay, which is so fun. It's just like the best people watching ever. And you get there and it's like, immediately you start seeing professional runners. Like I'll list off everyone I saw a little later, but um, it was really cool. So I get there Unfortunately, like my hotel room was ready at 11 AM, which was awesome. So I go to my hotel room and then one medical has an office pretty close to the hotel. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to head to our office, do a urine analysis. Like hopefully I'll get it back the same day, but I probably won't. So I do that and then I'm sorry if this is too much peeing for everyone, but like I'm literally having to pee every 15 minutes and it's I'm freaking out. Um, because my biggest nightmare more than having a UTI is actually like having to pee while while racing.
1: Yeah, you sent out a tweet that was like, I think I actually am gonna need to learn how people
0: yeah, like, how run to pee and pee beings. at the same Yeah, at the same time. <laughs> right. Um so I I go to the expo, I get my antibiotic, I get another drug that's supposed to help, an over the counter that's supposed to help with like the urge to urinate frequently, and I get to the expo and I go and I pick up my bib and it's pretty empty and I'm expecting an expo. Yeah. There was like, you know, the Adidas store where they're selling all the Boston Marathon stuff basically in the expo and then there's like a few things that's like, you know, a Nordic Track booth mm-hmm. and like some hydration booths and like the Abbott World Majors booth, but there's no expo. Wow. Which like, okay, I don't need an expo. I don't need to spend hundreds of dollars at an expo and waste my time and walk around and like tire out my legs. But for the first time ever, I made a conscious decision not to bring certain things because I was like, I'll just get it at the expo. (laughs) And so that was kind of like, in addition to the peeing, I was like, shit, things kind of aren't going to plan. And so I'm scrambling a little bit and I'm like, okay, where can I get... This nutrition, like I didn't really bring any UCAN with me because mm. I was like, well, I'll just get packets at the expo. Yeah. And there wasn't any. And then there wasn't any UCAN in the stores that I went to. And I oh. was like, that messed up my pre-race, like what I was going to do. Yeah. You know, so I just wasn't feeling great, honestly. And I, I just got really overwhelmed with the experience. Mm. Everyone's walking around in their Boston jacket. And like we've talked about the Boston jacket, it's just not my thing. Like I bought the jacket, I have jackets from all three times, you know, including 2020 virtual because it's a nice souvenir, it's a memento, like it's meaningful. Yeah. And I'm not trying to disparage everyone that like Boston comes along and they're going to wear their jacket on the plane and like that's what they're doing and they're going to wear it all weekend and they have their patches for like every time they're in. I think that's great. Celebrate that. It's just, It's just not my thing. And I think part of it is, um, I don't know, again, it was just overwhelming. Like it's awesome because right by the finish line, they have like this whole, like, I don't know, fan fest set up. So they have a stage and like, you know, I saw Meb up there talking and they have sort of like a glass case with really cool sort of historical things like Des's Mm -hmm. jacket and like Joni's Bowdoin singlet and just some really cool stuff. And, you know, so that's fun. And there's music playing and like, The BAA did an incredible job. The process for getting your vaccination verified and you had to, actually, I'm still wearing it because I think I'm going to wait to cut it off until my legs don't feel sore anymore. But you, sorry, listeners can't see this, but I'm showing Bridget. Yeah. There's this like bracelet that you had to wear all weekend, which people were like, this is stupid. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I was like, they should do that. Whether you're trying to show vaccination status or not, like it's kind of just like a, I'm running this type of thing. But, like, there are people taking pictures at the finish line. And it's funny. I was talking to – one of the best parts of the weekend, actually, was I met up with Jay Holder a few times. Yeah. And we were talking about it, and I was, like, telling him how superstitious I am.
1: Yeah.
0: And I'm like, I'm not walking over the finish line until I finish. Like, I'm not going on Boylston itself, other than the sidewalks, until I'm running on it and crossing that finish line. I just – I don't do that. And, you know, there's people – lying across the finish line, taking pictures, which is great. Like everyone is so happy, but I just, I don't know why I didn't, I didn't feel happy or Mm -hmm. excited. I kind of just felt a little bit of dread and it was a very odd feeling. And I think it was because I wasn't particularly feeling well. I made the mistake of like going back and doing some comparison of my training and being worried that I didn't get enough hills or I just didn't do the right thing. And, And you and I were talking about this Bridget. And like, I posted about it of like, I've actually felt other than a messed up hamstring and a kidney infection, like for the most part, have felt relatively fresh during the the training cycle. Like after my long runs, like had great runs the next day, like had some fast finishes on my long runs, legs never felt dead. And maybe that's because like I stopped a lot during my long runs. Like So I made the mistake of going back and looking at my moving time versus elapsed time. Mm. And I was like, oh God, there was a lot of elapsed time and a lot less moving time, but I always felt really good. Yeah. And I was like, did I even train? You know, and you, you're, just, you're like, if my body doesn't feel it, did it happen? Yeah. And I know, I know I did, right? I know that I did the work. I had some amazing workouts. Yeah. There was a lot of good things to draw from. But I think I just didn't believe in myself from the beginning. And I think part of it is mm. being so out of practice from running a marathon.
1: Yeah.
0: Like you could say you're going to get up, caught up in the excitement. And I was excited. Like I was there have been races where I have dreaded, like even Chicago, I was like, I don't want to run this. And I had an amazing race, Yeah, but I think I tempered that. I don't want to run this with like over mental preparation. And this was kind of like, I'm excited to run this. I think i mentally prepared, but I needed to do more. Mm-hmm. I tried to like force myself to believe in myself, but it's like, it was insincere. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you asked about like the significance of the year. So I think I take the fact that I can qualify for Boston and go for granted. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I think, I know mm-hmm. I take that for granted because I had to keep reminding myself, not everyone gets to be here. Not only does not everyone get, it's not everyone gets to be here on so many levels. Like not everyone has the privilege to be able to run and train for marathons. Not everyone has the ability to qualify for Boston. That's a dream for a lot of people who it just won't happen for no matter how hard they train, they could be training harder than I am running more miles, like it's just, it's out of reach for some people. And then there's the fact that this year the cutoff was like over seven minutes. Yeah. Right. And then there's the fact that there are people wanting to come from Europe or other countries that can't get into the country. So I am so lucky to be there. And I just was like, I don't think I spent enough time truly thinking about that before the race and like appreciating it. And when I would get into a funk, I would try to remind myself of that. And I would be like, okay, you're, you're really lucky to be here. And I think ultimately that's what helped me get through the right. race. but I was just I was just feeling kind of down. and I don't think it had anything to do with the fact that I went there by myself because I was gonna ask
1: about that. yeah.
0: Yeah, I think I needed that. I mean, mm. there were a lot of opportunities that I could have had to meet up with people. But again, I think that I was just kind of overwhelmed by the amount of people and also really needed to just like spend time in my hotel room. I was exhausted, I needed to sleep. Needed to sort of focus. There was a lot going on at work. I'm getting married in a week. Yeah, by the way, people. And so, gosh, this sounds like a really depressing race recap. Sorry, I'm just trying oh, to keep it real here. I think it's, yeah, it wasn't all Boston rainbows and butterflies. And I think on top of that, I just I was really confident that even if I had a bad day, I would I would PR. Which I'm glad that I had that confidence because like mm-hmm. I didn't even think that like it was a possibility that I wouldn't. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I didn't. I did not PR. (laughs) And, but so I think like to a certain extent, I was like, I'm not questioning my ability to do this. Or I wasn't scared of the pace that Dina told me to go out at. Like nothing about that frightened me. I think I was more concerned about the variables I couldn't control. Like, am I going to have to pee every five minutes? Or is my hamstring going to like really like flare up? Or is it just going to be super humid? Is there going to be a headwind? Like all of these things, like how's the rolling start going to impact things. And when you start to try to control the things you can't control, like that's not good. And, and like I said, like the little things that shouldn't normally matter, like not having an expo, Mm -hmm. it just throws a wrench in your plans. So I don't know, that's the long story. I pretty much like didn't talk to anyone and stayed in my hotel room until I met up with Jay Sunday afternoon, which was (laughs) really fun and kind of got me more excited once I met up with Jay.
1: I think there's something so interesting about everything that's going on that's circumstantial to this race. You know, it is the first marathon that you're doing in a while. It is Boston. You know, it's Boston in October, which is like unique and weird and once in a lifetime probably.
0: What's weird though is like it didn't feel like Boston in October. I don't know if other people feel this way, but it felt like Boston. Yeah. And I was talking to Jay about this. Like I had to keep reminding myself it was October.
1: Well, yeah, I guess like there are moments where like spring and fall kind of like overlap, especially back east. I feel like we are like, yeah, I mean, maybe it was here?
0: the heat and the humidity that made me feel like this doesn't feel like October. Yeah.
1: So you have all those things, but then you are like crazy busy with work. You're in the midst of wedding planning. And so is there any part of you that kind of is almost asking this trip to be like, almost relaxing time, like you're by yourself. So you're like, am I trying to like almost recharge, but then a marathon is not a time to recharge. And then all this other stuff happens. So this idea of like, I know how to run a marathon. I know what my fuel is going to be. I know what I need pre-race. I know all that stuff, but then things happen that are like chinking away at the time, like what I would imagine your Saturday looked like, what I would imagine your Sunday looked like. And so then it's this pre-race isn't lining up in any way with kind of this idea idealized version of what this trip could feel like and what like an ideal pre-race feels like. Does that resonate
0: at all? Yeah, it does. I'm not sure I had an idealized version of the weekend. Like I'm not sure I thought like, oh my God, if I can't get my UCAN, like I'm screwed. And then that wasn't even like something I was particularly panicked about, but it was just because that was such a part of sort of my long run fueling strategy, like and I should have brought a packet with me. And, and I did bring the the UCAN um, gels, which was great because I had one before the start. So like, at least I had some of it. But, you know, I think that like to a certain extent, it was relaxing. Once I was like, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's like meeting up with everyone and taking pictures and being like all Boston-y about it, you know. So I took a red eye, I didn't get much sleep. I slept for 13 hours from Friday to Saturday. It was amazing. <laughs> I was supposed to go to the Morning Shakeout podcast interview with Bill Rogers on Sunday, which I was really looking forward to. It was at, it was at 10 a.m. But then I got, it was like, I was exhausted. I think my body just really needed sleep. And at 10 o'clock, like, yeah, you should be able to get up, do a 30 minute run and like go to something at 10. But I was just stressed about it. I was stressed about like, when am I going to get up and run? Because I didn't want to run afterwards because I was like, I was meeting up with Jay and I didn't want to run too late. And I just gave myself permission to do whatever my body wanted. And so from that perspective, it was, it was nice. And like, you're walking around and you're seeing people like, so I think it was relaxing. I was sort of thinking to myself on the plane and joking, like, when people ask me what I did for my bachelorette party, I'm going to tell them I ran the Boston Marathon. <laughs> yeah, you
1: went to Boston by yourself yeah, to run I a marathon. Yeah, I went to
0: Boston by myself to run a marathon. And <laughs> and I also, during the race, was thinking about, like, this is a really difficult way to get to your wedding. Yes. Like, this yes. is really challenging. Why are you doing, you know, because because that's the next milestone. So there were a lot of things about it that were relaxing that were really fun. Mm -hmm. I think that like when you talk about the post-marathon blues for me, it's definitely blues of like you're training for something and then it happens and you're kind of like what's next. I think for the last couple of years, the blues have been around not being around the people that sort of embrace the sport the way that you do. And obviously I think having this community and this podcast actually sort of solves for that in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. But I found myself kind of like, oh, that was a really amazing weekend where like we were all sort of there for the same reason and doing something. And like, you know, runners speak a different language and it's so nice to not have to explain yourself or things or like talk about peeing all the time. And they're like, no, that's not too much information. I definitely want to hear about that. Like, did you poop too? Because like, if you did, I want to know. (laughs) And I want to know what your secrets are. So, so the other thing that I, that I think kind of, also was hard. And and this is something I wasn't sure if I wanted to talk about it or not, but I am going to talk about it because I think it impacted my race. And I think that it's important to talk about, um, you know, I am getting married in a week and I know what kind of nutrition you need to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. And I know what kind of nutrition you need to recover after running a marathon. And I think part of me those like old voices, those like disordered eating voices were coming up of like, you need to fit into your wedding dress or like, you want to look a certain way. And well, I don't think that, I think that that coupled with the fact that I had no appetite all weekend. And I think it was because I was sick. Um, and I, I mean, I, I ate enough, like, let's just, I'll put it out there. Like I, you know, had some amazing bagels and croissants and pain au chocolat and like did the whole, like, Rice and potatoes, and like everything before the race. And I definitely ate enough like the night before, but I just think my fueling the days before, and then even immediately after, like I didn't eat anything for like three or four hours after. And I feel like that's delayed my recovery. And that had actually nothing to do with sort of those thoughts. It was like I wanted to go meet up with someone, and I just was like not hungry (laughs) and, you know, kind of like forgot that, like, oh, actually, this is a really important part of recovering from a marathon and really just should have like scarf down a cliff Bar and just didn't. So I, I also think that I just like didn't get in the nutrition that I needed to, not only before the race, but just kind of in general. I think before Chicago, I was like cooking everything from Shalane's cookbook. Mm, yeah, And I just, even though I've been definitely eating enough during training, like in peak training, I eat all sorts of shit. Like those voices don't come near me, you know, even during the taper, like, cause your, your body needs it. Like it's still burning all of that. Yeah. But I, I just don't think I was eating the right kinds of foods. Like, I think I could have been better. No one should just, like, live off picky bars alone, no. even if you're eating, like, 12 picky bars a day. It's just not yeah. everything you need. So, yeah.
1: I think that's brave. I appreciate that you mentioned that because I think it's something that... Even if someone isn't having their wedding 10 days after they run a marathon, I think there's a lot of that feeling of like, am I going to look like I fit in? Am I going to like my race pictures? And that can kind of, I think, towards the end of a marathon training cycle get in people's heads. I think this is very relatable. And I also think that, you know, even though you're saying like you ate enough and it's not like it, it doesn't sound like it got out of control, like the disordered eating, just kind of those voices, but those voices take away from kind of enjoying food and having that like really healthy relationship with it. And even, even if you are able to kind of rationalize it, get the pan or chocolate, you know, enjoy other things, that in and of itself is just stressful. Like it's one more layer of kind of like getting yourself to a place where you're like, I need to keep moving. I need to keep doing this. And it's not as maybe natural and and coming to you as quickly as as it has in other mm-hmm. points, you know?
0: Yeah. I will say something about the race photos. Yeah. I always think they're terrible, so I don't worry about them anymore. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's like a happy surprise if there happens to be one that's half decent, which there was this time. So I'm oh, very nice. excited about that. But,
1: yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's good. Okay, so let's get into it. So I want to know a little bit about the weather. And then, I mean, the start was really unique. So yeah. I'm so curious what you thought about that rolling start.
0: Yeah, so it was warm in Boston. Like, it was really warm. Yeah. And I mean, obviously... So it was warm, but then the day before it got a little bit chilly and really windy Oof. and the temperature felt good, but like, you're like, oh shit, I don't know about this wind. And then it started to rain a little bit, but like the forecast was calling for <laughs> rain sometimes, but then not others. And I was like, I just, I don't think it's going to rain, Yeah. but it looked like it was going to be about 90% humidity, even though it was in, I think like this mid sixties. Mm-hmm. So I guess like I never felt hot. I never felt like oh my gosh, I'm so hot. I guess there were some sections that felt a little bit more exposed and I felt a little hot, but it never it never was bad. I mean, I definitely had some hotter runs during marathon training and it, it never felt as hot as maybe some of the runs where I was like, it's 12 o'clock on a Sunday in August. I guess I should do my long run now. Yeah. But I, it was a lot higher humidity. And I think that coupled with the fact that like I was so dehydrated from peeing so much and was on an antibiotic I think the humidity and the just already being dehydrated is ultimately what really did me in because I just couldn't, like I was getting fluids down, but I just, I couldn't keep up. Yeah. So that, that was the weather situation. Like I said, I actually found it pretty comfortable. I think that Bridget, when we ran it in 2017, it didn't feel anything like it did in in 2017 where it was, it felt really hot that day. Okay. Okay. Yeah, Like there was, I think a lot of people like trying to hose us off that day, right? I I think there was only one hose that I saw that I definitely tried to run through on Monday. And then the the rolling start situation, that was interesting. So the way that they had it is they gave you a bus loading time based on your bib number. And of course, no one really followed that. So everyone went to Boston Common just like whenever, which I found so curious because I'm like, if you're not loading the bus until 930, like, why show up at 7 30? Like, get more sleep. Show up when you're supposed to show up. Like, do you think they're just gonna let you on and like go early? And they're recreating the horrible start that yeah. it
1: used to be, where you like get bussed out there and then you're just stuck at that high school. And then school. you're just
0: waiting. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> like don't do instead that. Instead <laughs> of waiting at the high school, they were waiting at Boston Common. And it just, that didn't make sense to me. Like, yeah. I think they should have been a little bit more like, we will not let you on the bus. They just told you your time, but it didn't, there wasn't a whole lot of information. So I went out there at a time that I actually thought was too early, but because of the peeing situation, it was bad. My peeing situation was bad Monday morning. As I was walking to Boston Common, I had to pee. I had a weird cramp in my leg. Anyway, so I definitely peed like three times in the porta potties at Boston Common before getting on the bus. But I mean, the getting on the bus situation was good. They're like, if you have a blue bib and I had a blue bib, it's time to load. So they weren't letting people go on too early. So if you had a later bib, you definitely had to wait in Boston Common, And then the bus ride is like an hour. Yeah. And for whatever reason, this bus ride felt shorter than previous bus rides or the last Boston bus ride, certainly than the journey to the start of the New York City Marathon, which is like <laughs> interminable. <laughs> yeah. um, and I sat next to a really nice woman on the bus who we talked the whole way, which was fine, and then got off the bus. But actually what was interesting is they drove right past the high school, the middle school, whatever it is. Yeah. And we're like, you missed the drop off. And they actually dropped us off like pretty much at the start line. Like maybe we walked like a quarter of a mile, not even, to sort of that start area, which is just more porta potties which is what I wanted, and like a hydration table. So they just had waters out. So yeah, basically they dropped you off and it was like, you can just roll up and start anytime. And so I went to the bathroom three times. Drank some water or went to the bathroom twice, took off my warm ups to throw away, drank a little bit of water, went to the bathroom again just for good measure. And I think I'd finally peed it all out of me by then. Okay. And then I was like, I guess I'm just like walking up to the start now. I guess we're just going. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. You just kind of decide, like, I guess I'm ready to start now. And I just started. It. Cool. it was weird. Yeah. That is <laughs> i I will say, I liked the not having to wait. I liked not psyching yourself and spending too much time there and worrying about peeing and missing your start and all of that. It's just like another thing though, that you have to worry about is like Mm. psyching yourself up to start and like thinking, am I starting at the right time? Even though there is no like right time, whenever you decide to start is the right time. Um, and then you're also like, I don't know there, obviously there are people that start around you, but you're like, I don't know how fast these people are, how slow they are. Like I probably was in the porta potty area for like a good 30 minutes. So mm-hmm. I'm sure there were people in my wave or that would have been in my wave that started like long before me. And then I also was kind of like one of the last of my wave to like get on the bus. I just wasn't rushing things. yeah. So it was just a little odd, but I didn't love it and I didn't hate it. I'm kind of indifferent about it. What I did like is that the port potty lines were much shorter. It just, it felt more, in a way, even though it was, there was no organization, it felt organized. Like, I know that that doesn't make sense, but I almost feel like there's an opportunity for a hybrid to like kind of, you know, bus waves out there so that you can then have like timed starts, because I think that is kind of nice to like, it sort of tells you like, okay, my body is supposed to go now. Yeah. Otherwise you have to like do that yourself.
1: Yeah, exactly. I think there's something powerful about like, there being a start, there being like these kind of things where you you have to time everything else against it because it right. it eliminates a lot of decisions. Like you can just kind of slot everything in. Um, and I think ideally the last decisions that you're making, totally. you know, whether you believe in decision fatigue or not and all of that, like, I definitely feel that, you know, because I think the marathon in and of itself is a lot of, you're constantly kind of going through that checklist. Am I going too fast? Am I going too slow? How's my body? Do I need nutrition? And you kind of need the morning to be like free of that kind of running checklist where you're in charge of too many decisions.
0: I completely agree with that. Like I I sort of feel like the whole going and waiting, it's just kind of part of the experience. Like I don't- Prepare
1: for it. You're ready for it.
0: You're ready for it. You know, it's going to happen. What is nice is like, you have a little bit more control over what time you start. So I think I started at like 10, 15. I don't remember what time I started in 2017. I don't know if it was that much later, to be honest. But obviously, like you have to get up earlier because you're going and you're waiting, like you're sitting there for a while. So it's an earlier morning. But yeah, I don't know. Like every time I've even gone, I've run New York, I just don't mind the waiting. I guess I really like the waiting area in New York. It's kind of like a cool I love it. environment. You can like see the bridge, like it's a and and there's never any porta potty issues in New York because there's like all of these different like zones and areas and just like even if it's like fifty thousand runners, it seems like they have fifty thousand porta potties. Yeah, so there's never an issue there. So
1: every porta potty in Staten Island is
0: yeah for <laughs> there sure for you. Is there for you? Like
1: in a typical marathon situation, what are you doing in a corral? You're at a start corral. The marathon's about to start.
0: Like, what are you doing? I am judging other people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay so you're just scanning you're just like looking am scanning being,
0: like, the crowd yeah I'm just kind of taking stock of the people around me
1: are you pumping yourself up typically or like toning yourself down you know because they do like a lot of stuff hmm. I feel like to like hype you up sometimes in there yeah like, oh I that's true I've forgotten about time like being, all the like, yeah. calm down, almost ignore it, you know? And so maybe, I mean, I do a little bit of what you do, but it's almost in an effort to keep my vision here and look around to me because like this DJ is blasting techno and it's 6.30 yeah. in the morning.
0: I think I'm like so in my head. And and honestly, my thoughts are always like, did I go to the bathroom enough? Yeah. And so that was like a nice thought that I didn't need to have. Cause I'm like, I literally went thirty seconds ago. <laughs> I don't think I have any pee or water or liquid left in my body to give.
1: Leached it all. Like
0: yeah. I, it's just all gone at this point. Sorry, guys. If you don't like pee, just don't listen to this <laughs> podcast ever. If you don't like bathroom stuff, it's just it's become my life. And so, really, my thoughts are like: Did I pee enough? Did I go as recently? Are my shoes tied right? Like oh
1: yes, Yep.
0: Triple nodding. I actually like now that I, I didn't sort of think about it, but now that I really reflect on it, like I think I think there is something about the standing in the corrals with other people at the start, waiting to go, hearing the countdown, hearing the gun that gets you ready to race. Yeah. And I, I just didn't feel that way. Mm. I mean, and when I went, like, honestly, I don't feel like I went out too fast. I feel like I executed the first 16 miles, well, most of the first 16 miles flawlessly. I think that I have no regrets. If anything, I was a little conservative.
1: That's the way to do it.
0: I don't have any regrets for how I ran most of the race. Unfortunately, it was just the last 10 miles that really didn't unfold the way I'd hoped. But eh, I would say actually more than half of it didn't unfold. And I was just able to kind of like hold on a little bit longer, even through some bad patches, which I think is like, it's good to know that like you can feel bad pretty early on in a race and still maintain for a long time. But yeah, it was kind of weird of like, I guess we're running the Boston Marathon now.
1: Well, the way you're describing it kind of sounds like the kind of like lack of fanfare and kind of weird. I always feel this, like when I start like a 20 or a 22 mile, like your longest long run, there's that moment where you're like, you know, you're about to start and you like click your watch And there's like no fanfare, like nobody around you knows that you're about to do this kind of like Herculean thing. And, you know, you're kind of even like, am I going to do this Herculean thing? I don't know. There's always, it always takes me like 10 minutes to just kind of like settle into the like, I don't know, just surreal nature of that. And like the way that you're describing it sounds a little bit the way that those long runs make me feel. And that would just be very weird to feel at the start of a marathon.
0: I think what actually ended up happening is like I didn't forget that I was running the Boston Marathon or that I was racing, but I don't Mm -hmm. think that and I don't want it to sound like, well, I just gave up and so this is why. Like I I made Mm -hmm. these decisions. But I think that I made decisions that I would make during a long run where it didn't feel like anything was on the line. Yeah. And I knew things were on the line. I mean, and and nothing is on the line. Listen, literally nothing is on the line. (laughs) Like Staying alive and like not doing harm to my body, to my body, to anyone else's body, like that's the only thing that's on the line. But I think that when you're racing, let's say a 5K or you're even when when I'm doing a workout and I'm like, God, I don't feel good right now. Like, but I can't slow down. Like, I'm just going to I'm going to speed up or like I need to sort of employ all of the tactics that I use all the time to get through this rep or to get through this mile. Like I had planned for that. But Mm -hmm. I think because it, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I didn't, I think I did go there, but I, I also think that it felt at least at the end, except for the very, very, very end, it felt like (laughs) just get this done as opposed to perform. And I actually think like you should feel that way for the first half, right? It's just being patient, getting it done. So if you're spending too much energy, like psyching yourself up or being too in your head, then like that's wasted energy. And I didn't need that. But I think that like when I needed that, I didn't have it. Mm.
1: So let's talk about the first half of this race. Yeah. So you said like you executed your plan to a T. Was the plan like a specific pace or more like find an effort that feels right?
0: It was a pace, but it was a pace, but it was also an effort. It was like, Dean and I were talking and we were like, we think 7.15 pace is an appropriate aerobic effort Mm -hmm. for me. Yeah, And I don't know what my exact splits were, but the whole first half, I was anywhere between like 708 pace and like 730 pace or something. Yeah. You know, there's some hills in there. And then that included one bathroom stop, actually. <laughs> I didn't even have to pee. I'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. <laughs> I didn't poop either, people. I realized that made it sound like I didn't have to pee, so I had to poop. But um, no, and I was sort of queuing off of this couple. I don't know if they were a couple, but they were running together. And I was like, they seemed to be running that pace. And so I was just kind of like, On their shoulder, like I was just telling myself, don't pass them until we kind of got separated. And I just was like, I don't think I was accelerating, but I definitely pass them. They definitely passed me later on. They probably finished about 10 minutes before me. If I had stayed with them, I probably would have had a really good race. Well, I tried to stay with them. How about that? But I sort of got to around like mile eight and I started cramping. Ooh. Like I got a side stitch and I was okay. like, oh, that's not good. And then that side stitch kind of like went into my diaphragm a little bit more. Mm. And then my back started hurting and I was like, this is not good. Yeah, But it wasn't, it wasn't slowing me down. Okay. It was just there. And so I was like, okay, I need to really focus on like taking water. And finally got to the point where I was like, I think I just need to go to the bathroom to like work out this cramp. Yeah. Like maybe that'll help. Mm. And so I like saw a single porta potty on the side, saw a woman coming out of it just as I was running past it. I like sprinted to the porta potty came out and then like had one of my faster miles after that. I was like, that's exactly what I needed. Cramp was gone, had a second wind, was doing great. I was feeling better and got, I mean, the most amazing thing is like before Wellesley, like you can hear it. You could hear oh, Wellesley coming. Yep, like it okay. is the scream tunnel. Yeah. And you're like, I'm about to go through this it's like coming off the Queensboro Bridge when yeah. you're like, you know, turning onto First Avenue, your adrenaline just pumps. And I got so pumped that I like choked on my own spit and I was like, oh, chill out. So I definitely <laughs> like accelerated through Wellesley a little bit. And then probably around like mile 14, my left quad started to hurt, started to tighten up. And I was like, once your quads go, you're done. Like, it's just your legs lock up, you're done. And so I was like, but my right quad feels fine. Like, focus on your right side. And I did, but I think that's really where I just started to feel the dehydration. Like, my heart rate started to feel like it was spiking. Like, I couldn't get control of my body. And it was really around mile 16, right before I got to the Newton Hills, that things just started to go south. And I just was like, you know, I'm going to expend as little energy as I can up these hills. And like... Barely, barely go. And I I don't even know what my pace was up the hills. And I just kind of like said, okay, I'll let gravity take me down the downhills. But it was painful. Yeah. And I did. And I was like, I'm not walking up these hills. Like, no way. And I think around mile 17 was the first time I actually stopped. Okay. And I stopped at a aid station to try to just get stuff down. Um, Because I was like, I'm moving. I'm not getting anything down. And then that's when like nutrition just started tasting terrible. And I think around, I think it was after the third hill, it was before heartbreak, Yeah, I stopped. I was like, I need water now. And I didn't know when the next aid station, obviously they're every mile, but like, I didn't know when the next one was. Yeah. And I saw a med tent and I saw water bottles and I stopped the medical tent mm. and I chugged two water bottles. And the the guy there was like, what do you need? What do you need? And I'm like, I just need water. And he tried to give me like blue Gatorade. And I was like, dude, this stuff tastes like vomit. <laughs> and he was like, you need to drink it. And I was like, I just can't. And so I think that was like a good three or four minutes that I stopped and then I kept going. And Mm. I think I was running like, I I wasn't ever running 10 minute miles. Like whenever I was running, it was like probably like 8.30, 8.40, which isn't like, I'm still moving, right? Um, Right. But it was just every mile or so I needed to sort of stop Mm. and collect myself. And so I would lose 30 seconds here, 30 seconds there. And I think I was just like, not even taking it one mile at a time. I was like every 400 at a time, every minute at a time. I remember seeing that I was at 30K and I was like, great, 12K to go. I had done a 12K workout with Dina yeah. that was just awesome. And I was like, you got this. This is that workout. Awesome. Like, And you're not even yeah. running that fast. Like, You're just trying to right. move. And I just, I don't know, I couldn't do it until... What's 12K? Is 12K what I got to around three miles? No, 12K is more than, it's no, it wasn't 12K 600S. to go. Yeah, I know, yeah I'm trying right to think of what I did. No, it had to have been less than 12K. Anyway, I don't know. I don't remember at what point. I actually, I think I do remember saying 30K and I wasn't thinking about it in terms of like 6.2, whatever. I yeah. Here's what's really weird, actually. I was not thinking about the race in terms of miles. I was thinking about it in terms of Ks. And so I almost think that like, when you think about it of like, I don't have six miles to go like for whatever reason, 10K, if I'm equating it to a workout, seems less than just like a 10K race. Yeah. But the only time I did start to think about it in terms of miles was when I looked at my watch and I was like, okay, I think that if I just keep going, like if I just keep running, I think mm-hmm. I can still run under 330. Like if I just move. And so that worked for like three quarters of a mile. And then I was like, I got to stop. I was like, I have two miles left. I can run. I can do anything for two miles. Yeah. And then I ran three quarters of a mile and I had to stop. And I was like, Mimi, if you pass that sit, go sign and you stop, like you're never allowed to run again. Like <laughs> you are just not allowed to run again. And I was like, literally like you can push yourself for a mile. And so past the sit, go sign. And I think actually by then I sort of had given up on under three thirty. I don't know. I couldn't do math. And I was like, I don't think it's possible. Like, I don't really care. And then I looked down at my watch and I was like, oh, no, it is. But I was so scared of blowing up that I was like, OK, I think that if as soon as we turn right on Hereford and left on Boylston, like save that for Hereford and Boylston and yeah. F- go. Yeah. And it was like that turn. Like, I know there's a little bit of a hill. I didn't feel it. I was like, I'm making this turn my bitch. Yeah. And I made those two last turns my bitch. And like. I was not moving particularly fast. I think my last 0.4 miles was like, it was like 652 pace, which when you're like, like when you can't feel anything, yeah. but I was like sprinting down Boylston because, and I actually, I, I mean, I ended up running 329.15. So I had 45 seconds to spare, but I was just like, I'm not leaving any room. And if I can run under 330 on a shit day like this, I can be proud of myself. And I like, Listen, I know I sound like a jerk. I can be proud of myself if I run four hours, but I think that I wanted to prove to myself that I was fit and I have the ability and just there were things that happened that that made things go south. And like, I have to take a little bit of pride that it was still my second fastest marathon ever. That's insane.
1: I mean, that shows how like (laughs) fit you actually are because like you're walking, you're not able to run like three quarters of a mile without walking and you still run the race that you ran.
0: But, and I, like, I want to be, I want to be like, Boston is the best race ever. I love it so much. And I think in my heart, I just don't feel that way. Like, it's a great race and it's historical and it's so fun to be around there with people. And I don't want to sound ungrateful, but I also don't want to come on here and like tell lies of like, Boston's the best marathon ever. And like, everyone should run it. And I think that if you're lucky enough to have the opportunity to run it, you absolutely should. I also think that like, it is a hard course. And the only reason I would want to go back is because I want to figure that course out because it's like, we talk about like the puzzle, not because it's Boston. And I feel like I'm compelled to go back. It's like, this is a problem that I want to solve. Yeah. And that's really where it is. I mean, I have no desire to run Boston in 2022. So we, I know we got it. We had a question on Instagram, like what can you use as your qualifier? And so my qualifier for 2021. I also could use as my qualifier for 2022, which was my Chicago Marathon in 2019. Yeah, I have no intention of signing up. I mean, I'm not only no intention, I'm I'm not going to. And you know, I am I am qualified for 2023. So with this race I qualified for 2023 by over 5 minutes. So if they keep I don't know, if you yeah, mean 7 knows? minutes yeah. then I'm screwed, but like I don't know. I mean, I feel like the one marathon that I would run every single year if I had the opportunity to, no questions asked, is New York. And yeah, and I think that part of it is because, and, and not to like beat a dead horse here, but it's just, there are fans in Boston and there, and it was great and the crowds were great. And this is this situation actually is my own fault because I think one of the best things that you can do is put your name somewhere yeah. where people can see it. And I wrote my name on my bib and it was kind of hard for people to see. So like Mm. no one was really cheering for me. Like the last time I ran New York, I had my name like huge on my singlet. When I ran Boston in 2017, I looked like a triathlete. Like I had it down my arms because there were people with Sharpies like in the village. Yeah. And I was around like a lot of people who I guess had their names written on them. And so Mm. I heard Liz like, go Liz or go Amy like 17,000 times during the end of the race. And I was like hate you, Liz and Amy. Like, I don't want to hear a name anymore. I just no. want to hear my name Enough because I actually, you. I think that if I had done that, cause I know, I know Luke uh, or no, it wasn't Luke that asked this question. Luke asked the question about the start area. It was another, it was someone else who asked the question of like, can the crowds, yeah like how does that impact your race? Your and I think performance, it, yeah. I think it does. Like if you have people screaming your name the whole time, totally it's a huge, it's a huge mental boost. Even if they're staying your race number, like it just it makes a huge difference. And so, you know, I think that I'll never in Chicago. I actually didn't have my name anywhere either, but I I think I was just so in the zone it didn't matter. But you know, I think that I'm gonna I'm gonna put my name on wherever. Like I'm gonna sew it on. I'll put it on my forehead. I don't care. Like I just want people to cheer for me because it does it does make a big difference. And again, the fans in Boston were great. Like thank you to whomever. Like before the first hill in Newton was handing out tiny water bottles. You got me when I needed it. And thanks to the people like spraying and, and everything, like the crowds are great, but there's something about like the diversity of New York and the different neighborhoods and the character like that. I just, I love. And honestly, like, I think it is also hard running on a course. It's just, there are literally three turns in Boston. Yeah. You go straight, then you turn at the firehouse, then you go straight again, and then you turn right on Hereford, left on Boylston. Yeah. And I think in New York with like the bridges and the turns and like, it's just, it seems like it would be a lot and really jarring, but it it kind of just breaks it up so much more. And and even in Chicago, you're, you're turning a lot more and you're going over bridges. And so, I mean, this is not meant to like shit on Boston. It's a great, it's a great race. I had a great weekend. Like I'm definitely coming down from it. I can't bring myself to take off this stupid bracelet. Like, I think that yeah. says something. Yeah. And I think like, so then after the race, I sort of went back to the hotel, collected myself, combed out my ponytail because that was a whole situation. <laughs> yes. And then met up with Jay and walked around a lot. And then later that night, met up with my coach Dina and her friend Melinda. And actually the best part was seeing Melinda on the course. She was cheering and she was supposed to run, but she got injured, which is really sad. But um was seeing Melinda and... Because it was like, oh my God, someone's cheering for me. Yeah. Like that is that is actually cheering for me yeah. <laughs> because they right. know me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that was really fun. And just kind of the aftermath, I went to Tracksmith a few times and, and met the, I think he's the founder, um, Matt, who was super cool. And like later that evening, we went over to Tracksmith, like after they were closed and just talked and hung out for a little while. And like, it's like all of those things that was really fun. I mean, the running... The running, especially for the first little bit was great. Like I'm really happy that I felt so good running that pace and really feel like that's attainable. Yeah. But I think with any marathon or with running in general, it's it's not just about the running. If it was just about the running, we wouldn't do it because like that's so hard. It's about so much more than that. And I think I left that weekend feeling that. I will say like my legs have never been so, I've never been in such bad shape after a marathon ever.
1: Really? Even after your first one?
0: Even after my first one, yeah. I mean, the first couple days was bad, but I think I was running by this time after my first one. I can't even think about running right now. Today was the first day I did my Peloton bike. Today was the first day I could stand up on the bike. I have stairs that lead up from my garage to my apartment. My suitcase from Boston is still at the bottom of the stairs because I just haven't had the strength to like carry the suitcase up. I had to pick up my wedding dress on Wednesday. And my aunt had to like physically hold me up to take me there. And I felt okay after the race. Like strangely, like I was walking around and did a lot of walking afterwards, which I thought would help. Yeah, And it probably did. Like, who knows? It maybe yeah. would have been even right. worse. Um, <laughs> But I woke up Tuesday and I was like, I don't think I can get on a plane. Like, mm, I don't think I can get uh, out of this hotel room. Yeah, And I did, but it's not even so much my quads. It's honestly my calves. And I think that just shows that like, I was just so dehydrated. Yeah. So yeah, that's been rough. After Chicago, I think I ran like two days after and Dina got really mad at me and was like, what are you doing? And then forced me to take a few days off. And I'm like, I'm just hoping that I can run on Monday, maybe Mm. a few miles because yeah, yeah, it's been really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, haven't I done this before? This shouldn't feel so bad, but it does.
1: I mean, you've never run a race on antibiotics, dehydrated yeah. with a UTI. So, you know, that's a... Yeah, I mean... How's the UTI now?
0: <laughs> um, I'm on different antibiotics. I don't have to pee all the time. Gosh, we're just getting really gross that's, here. Does everyone want to know everything? Yeah. Let's let's just share everything. everything. I was also PMSing because I got my period today. So today <laughs> I feel great. I, my back hurts. My I've got cramps. My legs still hurt. I have to fly out Sunday morning to go get married. To your
1: wedding, yeah. <laughs> to my wedding.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's all, it's all great. So I've learned some valuable lessons about this marathon. Um, so, okay, the other thing, sorry, I'm totally all over the place. No. I love Dina Castor's book, Let Your Mind Run. So and good. I did so much of listening and like absorbing that book before Chicago two years ago. and. I think that there's just so much in there that is so important for mental preparation for any race. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it actually on the plane back because I was like, I need to get into a more positive mindset. Yeah, And I think that like a mistake of mine was actually not listening to it before the race and like reminding myself of all of these things and being inspired by it. I don't, I don't remember why I brought that up or where I was going with that, but, um, so, oh, just lessons that I've learned. Yeah. And so I think that that, so that was a lesson. But I think the other, the other lesson I learned is, I don't know how many of you are planning to do this out there, but don't run a marathon, especially the Boston Marathon, especially a marathon that you want to PR in and then decide, yeah, I got married two weeks later. It's totally fine. It's gonna be great. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. A okay. lot of people told me not to do it yeah. and I did it anyway. And, learn the um, hard
1: way.
0: <laughs> Yeah, you just, you gotta learn the hard way. Guess what? I don't, hopefully, don't have to do it again because, not. I mean, well, I am having two weddings, but I think this is my, <laughs> unless I like decided to run CIM, which I'm not going to. Yeah, not doing that again. It's just, I think that the body doesn't differentiate stress. It does. And the last few weeks have been some of the most stressful. So. Yeah.
1: So I think those are really good takeaways. I think re-listening to Dina Castor's book, like As You Taper, is such a smart idea because it's a great story. You know, it's, it's like lovely to hear her read it, but I think it's so dense with all of those moments of gratitude and the ways of approaching thinking about your training, not overthinking your training, appreciating things, but really from the mindset of a runner. So it feels very... Yeah, I think I think that's a great habit to get into. There's there's enough there, you know, that anytime I would run a marathon, I'd want to re-listen to it. Yeah. I also re-listened to this um, this little snippet from a podcast about the woman who totally bonked and like shit herself at the finish line of Kona. And I'm forgetting her name. She's super famous. Julie something. Because I actually love her perspective on like not giving up because it's actually kind of not the thing that you think that it is. But I think having those things in your back pocket, knowing yeah. what's going to get you in the right mind, mindset is that is a really important part of training.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I just sort of like, oh, I've listened to the book before. Like I I definitely there are things one of the the things that Dina talks about in her book is when something is hurting, think about what's not. Yeah. So when my left quad started to go, I was like, what would Dina do? And it was like, well my right quad feels okay or like, you know, but there's there's so many other things in the book. Oh, the one thing I will say that didn't yeah. hurt that was totally fine was my hamstring. Totally fine. (laughs) Yeah. That was great.
1: Well, can we give credit to Matt for that? Is that an
0: ever athlete? Yeah. It was a journey. Matt on, I was seeing another, another chiropractor in San Francisco that, that our friend Phoebe recommended. And so a lot of, a lot of people had, you know, a a hand in that journey, but um, should I name drop some of the people I saw?
1: Oh yes, please. Yeah. This is fun.
0: Okay. So in the hotel, there were probably a lot of pro athletes who I didn't recognize and I don't know their names. I probably definitely talked to the, w- the female winner and like didn't know it. Um, you know, I think I, I probably saw the the men's winner too. The funniest thing is when I was checking out, someone was asking about his trophy. And I think that the second place male finisher lost his trophy. <laughs> That's so funny. Because his agent was like, he got second place and like they were like looking for it. And the front desk was like, I don't know. And the, the manager, the agent was like, well, I'm going to be here for like a little while. So if I hear anything, I'll let you know. And then the athlete just like walked out of the hotel the same time I did to like catch a lift. Like he was like by himself. He like casually got second place at the Boston Marathon.
1: So my friend was sitting next to the women second place person in coach on a flight the day after uh, so Kiplagat got, and like yeah. text me a picture. To and Edna?
0: Yes. Oh yeah. Cause Edna got second place. Oh my God. I love her so much. I love her so much. I'm Edna. very happy for the winner, but if Edna had won, I would have been so happy. Yeah. She's amazing. She's 42. I know. Like
1: five, five kids, four kids, five, something uh, like
0: that. I just, yeah. I want to be here when I grow yeah. up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Please.
0: That's really, yeah. isn't that funny? Hey, like Edna's agent. I don't know if Edna's a Nike or whatever. Whatever shoe company you run for, like, fly her first class. Yeah, no, What's dead. your problem? <laughs> right. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, I saw Abdi. I saw Parker Stinson. I saw Scott Smith. Who else did I see? Um, I saw... I didn't say hi to any of these people. Yeah, right. um, I saw <laughs> Ryan Linden, not Dez. I think I, I would have had to have said hi. I think I would have had to invite a Dez to my wedding right, if I course. had seen her. I saw... Meb, I saw. Who else? I feel like there were p- some people that I saw like multiple times. Oh, I saw Joni, like obviously coming in right after she did the announcing at Chicago.
1: Shalane? Um, did we have a Shalane? She was only there for like a couple of hours because she was like, only there.
0: No, I mean <laughs> she was definitely like, in my hotel, but I didn't. I did not see Shalane. I saw Mary Kane at no, Tracksmith.
1: Oh, awesome!
0: Yeah. Jay Holder. Jay's that's famous. A, that's a big, yeah, that's a big uh, We hung out. <laughs> I followed him <laughs> around. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think who else. Like, I'm sure I saw so many other people, but those are the ones that yeah. come to mind. So that's just, like, that's just yeah. fun. That's just right? fun. Yeah. Oh, I saw Josh Cox, who's, Des is, like, everyone's yeah. agent, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah.
1: Cool. That's cool. So when we texted a couple days after, you said that, like, you know, race wasn't what you wanted, but it did like stoke the fire. Yeah. You know, I think there's kind of those races where you come to the finish line and you're like, I never really want to do this again. And then eventually you decide that you do. Do, are, do you want to run another marathon soon-ish? Like where are you kind of at with that?
0: Yeah. I think this is the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, it is. Because the whole time I was running, I was like, I never want to run a mar- another marathon in <laughs> my life. And then like after, you're like I just, I never want to stop doing this. It's interesting because that was sort of the same experience in Boston 2017 of like, I've made it. I'm here. I don't need to do this anymore. Yeah. Right? Like if you're at this, if you're at a certain level, like Boston is the goal and you know you're never going to qualify for the Olympic trials. So it's like, that's it. That's the goal. And I think I felt that. And I hadn't really trained well for that race at all. And I think I really felt that way the entire time until I crossed the finish line and I was like it was like a switch went off. And I was like, well, I think I should get a coach. And then, you know, less than a month later, I was working with Dina Evans and, and it changed everything. I don't know if this is the thing that changes everything, because I think like I'm a different athlete since I started working with Dina, I've set different goals. I'm not sure my goals have changed as a result of this Boston. I think, so I went, I went back to my room and I was like watching YouTube videos and I went down this rabbit hole and I was watching like one of Shalane's interviews from after 2018 and they're like, so are you going to, cause that was going to like be her last Boston. And like, you know, she had just won New York and like maybe was going to retire. And she's like, I don't know. I just feel so unsatisfied. Mm -hmm. And I think that's how I feel if I just feel so unsatisfied and I'm not saying like, I'm going to retire. The plan was never to run this race, like retire from running guys. I like my PR is 323. Like I shouldn't even be talking like this. Come on. (laughs) Like, Talk to someone that's like a real runner here, but um I just feel so unsatisfied. Mm. But I also, you know, not to get too personal, like have other goals in my life that I'm hoping to start once I get married and I'm getting older, and there is going to be less and less time to achieve some of those other goals. And so it's sort of a question of do I want to try to get one more in before I try to start doing other things? Or do I kind of just like live my life and I think it's time to live my life and use this experience and this feeling of being unsatisfied and being hungry for more as like a reminder for the future. I think I I, I texted Dina the other day and I was like, I would like to get in a half and like mm-hmm. go for it. Like I would love to run like sub seven pace the entire time. And I think that's probably doable maybe. Considering my half PR is like at 7.08-ish pace and that's from two years ago and I feel like I have a lot more in me now. So yeah, I think that, I think my body is going to decide for me. <laughs> I don't know.
1: As it should. I mean, your your Nature my, will take its yeah. course, I guess. Yeah. I like that we've spent a lot of this talking about uh, peeing and, and- I haven't had, when had when to you, pee once. The, but then when you <laughs> start to talk about having kids, you're like, I don't want to get too personal. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll tell you all about my period, but I don't want to get too personal.
1: Yeah, careful, Mimi. Don't get too personal. I know. (laughs) Okay, I think that's great. I mean, in general, I think that's what we should all be doing most of the time. You know, I think there are moments where you can kind of force yourself, put all your chips in, you know, on the table and do the the passion paradox and see what happens. And there's a lot of luck involved in that. You know, sometimes you, you go all in and it's just not going to be your day. But I think both of us have gone through periods where we just keep doing that over yeah. and over again, um, multiple times a year. And that's all, you know, we're not, let's, let's not do that.
0: <laughs> and like, I'm not a professional runner. And like, I think any anytime that I run, whether it's a PR or not, I think I'll be like, oh, I'm unsatisfied because I think there's more. And like, I think that I'll find satisfaction in other ways because this is not my livelihood and I'm yeah. still able to be a part of the running community and to run regardless of how fast it is, you know, because again, my livelihood is not dependent on it. Like I was thinking about it, like Christine Lambie, front of the pod, yeah. ran Boston pregnant. pregnant. Like she's a badass. Totally- and You know, so I can run a marathon pregnant. Like, yeah, I'm not going to PR, but I can still participate. And okay, I shouldn't say that. Hopefully, I would be lucky enough to run a a marathon pregnant. Obviously, like, you just never know. But, you know, it it doesn't mean that you're out of the sport, right? You can still participate.
1: Yeah, I think that's great. Um okay, I have two I think I have two maybe or maybe three. I don't know. I have a few rapid fire questions, okay. okay, this year's celebration jacket on a <laughs> one to ten scale, ten being the absolute best, which in my opinion is the years when they just stick to the Boston Marathon colors, or one being the infamous 2007 orange traffic cone edition.
0: <laughs> so my my initial reaction to when I saw this was, but I like the orange. <laughs> tra-
1: she likes, ladies and gentlemen, she likes <laughs> the infamous, everyone agrees, worst color of ever. She likes the t- 2007. She likes traffic cone. So, it's kind
0: of cool. She, I don't know.
1: Go after her. You can, I'll put her Twitter handle in the show notes, <laughs> at her all you want. Yeah, you
0: can at me. It's fine. <laughs> Whatever. I will say, David Lamb, I, I just, I love David so much. He and I had a very important conversation about mm-hmm. fashion. Okay. And he- gave me an a plus for my fashion. So that's really that I'm the real winner. That's really all I care about. So I don't know, maybe you should ask David this question, (laughs) but, um, okay. I don't like what they've done with the jackets the last couple of years. They have these like thicker stripes on the shoulders as opposed to the Adidas stripes all the way down the sleeves. I think our 2017 jackets are the best jackets. Yeah. It's like the blue with, for the women, I mean, it doesn't, you know, you could choose whichever you wanted. It was like kind of like a, a peachy pink and yeah. a white accent. And then the the men's jacket, it was like a darker blue, I think, and and, yeah. and like a white accent. Those are really nice. They still had the stripes. Even the year after that, I thought the red was kind of cool with the stripes down the sleeve. It was only in 20, um, or maybe they did something different in 2019, in 2020 they started doing this other thing and I just don't I don't like it. And it it is cool that it is the Boston Marathon colors. Mm. So I think it is a nice jacket. Like I what I, I didn't like the teal one? The teal one I, I prefer bad. the orange to the teal. Okay. So actually the worst for me is that teal one. But I think what's really cool about these jackets and I didn't realize it until I was like standing behind someone and I was looking at it. Um, and it's, this is also a cool thing with the metals too, that they did this year that they've never done before is the stitching is in gold. Ooh. So because it's the 125th, like all of the stitching on the jacket is gold thread and that's cool. And the metal, I'll bring it here. I think it's bigger than it normally is. Um, And it's also in gold. That's nice. Oh,
1: that's which pretty, is really yeah. cool.
0: So I think like the, the other thing Jay and I were talking about is like, these jackets are ugly. Yeah. Like. They're all ugly. I
1: I was so excited to get my first one though. Like, yeah, I mean, you've done it every time. Like
0: I I will buy it every time. It doesn't matter how ugly it is. It could be neon orange with aqua. Like (laughs) I'll, I'll buy the jacket. Yeah. I did see someone carrying one in the airport that was black with like neon green. And that was Mm. rad. And I was like, yes, that's cool. cool." So yeah. Okay. So I'll give it, I have to score it. Yeah. Okay, if it had the Adidas stripes all the way down the side, like the classic, I would say it would be one of the best jackets ever mm. because of the like weird things they're doing on the shoulder. I don't know somewhere between not as good as 2017 but not as bad as I guess the traffic cone okay. if you think or traffic t- cone or is teal bad. Year. okay or teal right. year, yeah, okay. all right, fair enough. uh,
1: what eventually was your post race meal? Did you go burger? Oh, I was a burger, okay.
0: Yeah. It was a burger from the hotel restaurant, which is a good restaurant with fries and cheese and a glass of red wine.
1: Were you in the bathtub?
0: No, I wasn't. I did order room service. (laughs) I could have been in the bathtub, but um, no. And I think I wasn't in the bathtub because I needed to scarf it down because then I was going to meet up with Dina and Melinda.
1: Okay. Otherwise, um, yeah, I
0: probably would have right. been that sim.
1: <laughs> um, and then last one, this is actually a question from Instagram. Biggest surprise slash weirdest moment.
0: Yeah, the weirdest moment was the second place winner, like <laughs> losing his trophy. Yeah. <laughs> <So good. laughs>
1: yeah. Okay.
0: Um biggest surprise. I think that I think the biggest surprise was like And maybe this wasn't, the biggest surprise was not getting left off at the school and like not having to walk as far to the start. And I think I, I think this is what I was worried about. And this is what we talked about of like the biggest surprise of it, just of the rolling start and the way that that felt. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you for sharing. I loved hearing about it. Oh, Um, thanks. Made me feel connected to it. I'm proud of you for what you did out there, not giving up. And not letting all the stuff pre-race let you give up on putting it really out there as much as you did, you know. I think, I yeah. think racing well, the race as well as you did for as long as you did speaks to your training, but also speaks to the determination that you that you had to get it done. And you know what happens those last miles is not that's dehydration, that's antibiotics, that's all that other stuff.
0: I'm gonna keep telling myself that. Yeah. Well, I think too. Like, I feel like I'm saying I wasn't excited. I didn't like to appreciate being there. I was really excited. I mean, I couldn't wait to race and to run. And I was, Dina asked me, you know, a few days before, like, what are you looking forward to most? And I was just like, I'm just looking forward to running. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to racing. And I think that I've gone to races and, and marathons where I'm like, I'm not looking forward to taking a single step. And so I think I was just happy to be there, which also made it feel like less, less like a race and more like we're just out here doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, you know, not to get too personal about things. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. Thanks for getting personal. Sure, anytime. (laughs) Thanks, Bridget. Talk to you later. Bye.